Good morning, Real Life Church. Are you all in? Are you all back? Have you all got your drinks? It's really nice being a real life woman this morning because you can listen to me preach while munching on chocolate. I just think that's like the best of both worlds really, isn't it? Get to hear me and eat chocolate. Right, just making sure I've got the right time here. What an absolute treat it was that the clocks went forward, hey? What a gift. (laughs) I actually was unaware until last night about 11 o'clock, and I was like, oh no, does that mean it's midnight? So, yeah, shocker. Good morning, if you've not met me yet, my name's Melanie, I'm married to Stuart, and together we look after this beautiful thing we call Real Life Church. Uh, We've been here for, I want to say nine, almost nine years, I think now, so... It's an absolute pleasure to be able to speak on Mother's Day and and address our women. I do want to say that if you're a man sitting in the room, you'll be just as blessed and there'll be plenty for you to apply because when we look at a male character in the Bible, both men and women can draw stuff out of it and when we look at a woman from the Bible, both men and women can draw stuff out of it. I've called this 7,000 words and there's a little kind of subheading I've put, make them count. So research shows that the average person speaks at least 7,000 words a day with many who are above average, and I would put myself in that camp. Uh, Who wants to be average, hey? So um, above average. So 7,000 words a day on average. Most adults have a vocabulary of over 42,000 words at their disposal 42,000 words. That's amazing, isn't it? The average person speaks somewhere between 125 and 150 words per minute. So in a minute, you can cram in quite a lot, can't you? And a five-minute speech is roughly 750 words. So imagine what a 40-minute preach is. That's a lot of words. So this morning, I want to encourage you to make as many of your words as possible in your day count. Make as many of them count. We're going to look at the story today of Deborah. She's one of my favorites in the Bible. She's, she's basically a rock star. I love her. And you find her story in Judges 4 and 5. I did look at reading the whole of 4 and 5 and thought, I don't know if I can manage that. So I'd asked Fiona for the kids' work just to rewrite it for me. Um, so don't worry. She hasn't rewritten the Bible. She's just reworded it in story form so that we could read it easily out in kids' work. But I'm actually going to use that this morning. So you will find this story, if you want to turn to it, in Judges 4. So that's in the Old Testament. Judges 4 and 5. This is a kind of summary of it. So Deborah is a woman. I hope that's obvious by her name. She is a wife and she's a prophet. A prophet literally means that she hears from God and she passes it on. She's a leader and a judge. She's given the name Mother of Israel, but it's unclear as to whether she had any physical children of her own, but she operated as a mother for a nation. So she took care of it, nurtured it, made sure it was safe, fed, looked after. So I want to say to you, if you are a woman in this room and you do not have physical children, that doesn't make you any less a mother. 
So what mums do is they nurture, care, feed, protect, bring life. So motherhood in the Bible is so broad. So if you do not have physical children of your own, that does not make you any less of a mum. What makes a mum is someone who would nurture, someone who would speak life, someone who would bring life, someone who would take care, someone who would watch over. So Deborah was a judge and she was called a mother, it's unclear, and most of the commentaries say that it's fairly obvious from the text that she didn't have any physical children of her own, but she was still called a mother because she took care of a nation. Most women sitting out there will take care of a group of people in their workplaces, in their, wherever they are, they will take care of. She was the fourth judge of Israel, and she is the only female judge mentioned in the Bible, and likely to be the only female judge in Israel's history. Judges were military leaders, and they were chosen by God to rescue people from their enemies and establish justice. So it weren't like a judge that we would understand now. So I'm going to read the story that Fiona helpfully retold for us, and you'll find it in Judges 4 and 5. So Ehud... The previous judge of Israel died, and the people of God went their own way and did their own thing. So the Lord let King Jabin rule them. He had a mean and nasty commander called Sisera. Sisera had 900 iron chariots, and he was horrid to the Israelites for 20 years. The people of Israel were miserable. They cried out to the Lord their God for help. Deborah, the wife of, wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at this time. She sat under the palm of Deborah in Ephraim, and people would come to her for help. One day, she sent for a man named Barak. She told him, the Lord commands you, call out 10,000 warriors from the tribe of Naphtali and Zebulun at the Mount of Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak agreed to go, but only if she would go with him. Deborah said yes, but reminded him that today the Lord's victory over Sisera would be at the hands of a woman. They went together, and on the way, Barak gathered the tribes and the warriors. Sisera heard about this plan, and he got all of his warriors and 900 iron chariots and marched them to the Kishon River. He was ready for a fight. Deborah told Barak to get ready and march the tribes and warriors into battle. She said, this is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. When Barak attacked Sisera, the Lord threw all of his warriors and chariots into a panic. It was utter chaos. So Sisera jumped off his chariot and ran. Barak chased the army away and destroyed them all. Sisera ran and ran to Heber's tent. There he met Jael, Heber's wife. She invited him into the tent and told him not to be afraid. Man, that man should have been very afraid. Sisera asked her to hide him and she covered him with a blanket. Jael obeyed, but when Sisera went to sleep, Jael hit him in the head and he died. We had to write this for kids' work, remember. So um, a hammer and a tent peg is not very child-friendly. So this story is a bit brutal in places. Barak went looking for Sisera and discovered that he was dead. From that time on, 
Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally got rid of him. Barak and Deborah sang a song together all about what the Lord had done and how mighty he was. Deborah went back to being the judge of Israel and the land had peace for 40 years. The Lord used her to set her people free and defeat the king of Canaan. It's an absolutely wonderful story. So if you want to read it, it's in Judges 4 and 5, and you'll get a little bit more of the flavor and the song that they sing together. It is in places brutal and a little gruesome, but it's a fantastic story of how God will make use of people if they are prepared to speak up and if they are prepared to say yes. So what I want to do this morning is simply pull out a few words for you, a few words of encouragement, a few words to challenge you, a few words to help you. And I want to leave you with a sense of, I want to make some of my 7,000 words in my day count. And I want them to count for something in the kingdom. I want them to matter. I want them to build. I want them to give strength. I want them to stir, inspire, teach. I I want them to matter. First thing I want to pull out is Deborah was called a prophet. And I know I bang this drum over and over again. It's because it's my favorite gift. We should all eagerly desire to prophesy. We should all eagerly desire to hear the word and the voice of God and pass it on. It is a beautiful gift and it's so powerful and it is a great use of some of your 7,000 words. Those of you sitting here will know that you've had words that have shaped you and moved you. Physically, some of you have moved because someone in a meeting said, God said it's time to go. Some of you have heard words about your identity and who you are that have caused you to rise up. Some of you have had words that have made you stop doing something and start doing something else. Some of you have had words where you've just felt so known by God. You've just felt like God has spoken into your specific situation or circumstances. Some of you have had words that have led to you becoming Christians because they've so spoken into your heart and you've thought, well, if God knows me like that, he must be real. The prophetic gift is a fantastic gift. And I want to tell you today that it's worth using some of your 7,000 words on this gift. It's worth asking God and saying, speak to me. Speak to me for the people around me. Speak to me for my circumstances. Speak to me in the places where I stand. It's worth using some of your 7,000. I will say a couple of things. The prophetic needs to be tested. You are not the voice of God. Some of you might think you are. You are not. You are partly you and partly him. And depending on the measure of gift in you and and what your day's been like and how you're feeling and how you're doing will depend on the percentage of him or you. I always check with people if I bring stuff, was that okay? Did that make sense? What you're looking for is something to resonate with someone. What you're not saying is, I am God and what I say to you is directly from the heart of God. You're saying, I am a person who God has spoken to, so it's filtered through me, and I'm bringing what I think God is saying. It should always be tested. It should always be in team. There should always be others around that can say something, challenge it. If you say something to someone on their own, you should always encourage them to talk to someone else. 
The prophetic works best when it's tested and best when it's in team. It should always build and it should always be biblical. If you bring something that the Bible does not agree with, you are wrong. Not the Bible. You are wrong. So it should always line up with what the Bible says is true. Therefore, you could not prophesy to someone, uh, it's the Lord's will that you should divorce your husband because he spends too much time playing on the Xbox. Yet it's not biblical, you wouldn't find that in the Bible. You wouldn't find Xboxes in the Bible, but you wouldn't find that sense from God. And so you test it and weigh it against the Bible, but it would, should also be for someone's benefit and their building. That doesn't mean they're always going to love it. So I've had God speak to me sometimes with what feels like a gentle smack on the back of my head. Have you ever had those kinds of words where God has said, stop that now? And you feel a little bit like, well, okay then. So it's not necessarily rubbing your belly and making you feel all gooey all the time, but it should build you. It should make more of you, not less of you. So it should always be in team, always be tested, always build and always be biblical. Those are the things I'd be checking. If I was prophesying or someone else was prophesying, I'd be checking those kinds of things. And what I want to do this morning is just invite a few women up who I've asked over the last month to be praying and thinking about something that they would like to share with you. What I want to do is show you what this gift looks like. So I've asked Joyce and I've asked Anna and I've asked Phil to just come up and join me. What they're going to do is just share something that they feel like is for you this morning to hear. So is that all right? Will you come and join me? I've got Anna, Joyce, if you bring the microphone, you can fight amongst yourself as to who goes first and gets it over and done with. Um, please, please just come up and join me. It looks like you're going first, Philippa. Oh, Is I was going right? to give it to someone else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, here goes. Um, when I asked God what he wanted to say this morning, I felt him talk to me about three things. One was urgency, one was identity, and one was royalty. And they're all tied up together. I think he wants this morning to remind us of who we are because of him and challenge us to live our lives differently out of that royal identity. I am talking to everyone, but specifically to the ladies here. I believe he wants you to hear today that you are a daughter of the king, and because of that, it means you are a princess of heaven. When we're born again, we were born again into a royal family. We were adopted as God's daughters, and we were made a holy and righteous princess of the kingdom. Now, when you picture yourself as this princess, I want you to think less Cinderella, more kind of Wonder Woman, in the armor, with the sword, the shield, strong, ready for battle, that kind of princess. Less fairy tale, more warrior. Now, I want you to do something for me. Can you say to yourself, ladies, out loud, I am a princess of heaven. Ready? I am a princess of heaven. Great. And again, I am a princess of heaven. Okay, we're going to do it one more time because there is real power in speaking truth over yourself. I am a princess of heaven. Brilliant. Well done. I feel like God wants to stir up in us today a sense of urgency. If we're saved, we know we're going to live forever. We know we're going to live forever with Jesus. Our life is going to stretch out into eternity. But the time we have here on earth is short. 
The time we have to love and impact the people around us is short. Our time to see the kingdom of heaven break out powerfully and manifest in the lives of the people we know and love is short. And I feel like he really wants us to capture this sense of urgency. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to get your hearts beating a little bit faster this morning. I believe he wants to get your pulses racing a little bit quicker and he wants to heighten our senses, open our eyes to see what is going on in the spiritual realm as we go about our everyday lives, almost like laying a transparency over a picture. I believe he wants us to be able to start to see what is going on in the heavenly realms as we walk on the earth. I believe he wants to carry with us, wants us to carry with us a greater sense of urgency in seeing our friends and family saved, in seeing healing and deliverance break out, and in seeing people set free. He is the Lord of heaven's armies, and he is calling us to pick up our swords and take our place in the battle line. We are warrior princesses. We are fully equipped with sword and shield. We have access to the full arsenal of heaven. And he is calling us just to look down and see what he has already placed in our hands. This isn't something new, something we have to strive for, something we have to create. This is already something we have. It's just now time to pick them up and use them. He is challenging us to not waste time to not waste our lives. There's a couple of amazing Rend Collective lyrics that basically say, I will not waste this day you've made. I refuse to waste my life. I believe he wants that to be the banner over our lives today. We are to allow the Holy Spirit to sink deep into our hearts that sense of urgency. We are daughters of the sovereign king of the universe. We are warrior princesses of heaven. We are so equipped to make monumental differences in the lives of the people around us if we only live out of this true royal identity. He is challenging us to stop being lethargic, to stop sitting back and letting opportunities pass us by, to stop letting other people do the work. He is calling us to stop living in fear. I know that fear is a real problem amongst women especially. I know that it is. It's something that enslaves us and binds us up. It is one of the enemy's greatest weapons and he uses it. But God wants to break fear off you today. God has the power to break fear. We can fight fear ourselves, we can battle it ourselves, but only by the love of God, the blood of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit breaking out can we truly overcome it. I believe that freedom is here for us today, and it's something I think God's got for you and wants us to walk in. God is calling us and challenging us to know who we truly are. We are warrior princesses, and we need to live like that. When you know you're a princess, when you know that your dad is the sovereign king of heaven, who has power over everything, seen and unseen, you walk a little taller, you speak a little louder, and you speak with a voice that carries the authority of heaven. You live differently. He is calling us to be bold, to step up to the plate, to overcome fear. We are warrior princesses, and he is calling us to pick up our sword and shield, to join the army of heaven, and run. follow that Joyce (laughs) oh that was a real word of challenge wasn't it what I want to bring is something that's encouraging word of encouragement that for all of us every single lady in this room from the youngest to the oldest whatever our circumstances might be, carries the gift of motherhood. That mothering, that tenderness, that nurturing, sometimes that pushing out is in the heart of the Father God. And 
that lovely scripture, scripture I love, where Jesus himself looked out over Jerusalem and his heart's cry was that he wanted to gather them yeah. to himself like a mother hen, a mother hen does with her chicks. It's that protectiveness, that caring, that nurturing that I believe is in the heart of every woman at the point of conception. So whatever circumstances come about in life, that gift can be used. <clears throat> and I just want to give an example of that. For, so, uh, for about 40 years now, we've had some very close friends, and we've still got them, that have walked with us through thick and thin, through our church lives and through all the circumstances, good and bad. Two couples in particular. But neither of those wives has ever been able to have children. We're a little gang of six, and I was the only one with the kids. Those two ladies have mothered me yeah. on many an occasion, and I'm older than both of them. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, that the gift of mothering is in you and to look for ways in which you can pass it on to others. The other bit I want to share is, is personal testimony, really. <clears throat> um, oh, incidentally, I never thought I'd stand on this stage. This is where my daughter collected her A-level certificate in 1988. <laughs> never thinking Mom would stand on that stage in 2019. <clears throat> We've been blessed to have two children. We've got a son and a daughter. And after they got married down the line, obviously both of them wanted to start a family. And we waited, and we waited. We, we knew this was in their hearts. And finally, we got the news from both directions that it was most unlikely that that would happen. My daughter-in-law had two miscarriages, my daughter had other medical problems that seriously hinder her from conceiving a child. I broke down. I so desperately wanted to be a grandma. And so I got before the Lord and I, I worked my way through scripture to find something about grandchildren that I could latch onto. And the Lord gave me Isaiah 59, 27, which says, My spirit, my spirit which is upon you, my word which is in your mouth, will be upon your children and your children's children forevermore. Oh, as a family and close friends, we latched onto that. This was the living word of God, and we decided we were going to speak out, speak life, cut through the negative atmosphere with the life from Scripture. We now have four lovely grown-up grandchildren, one of them sitting Yay. there with David. Yay. So that, that is to encourage, particularly I, fe I felt when I was thinking about this, that there may be someone here who 
A married lady who would love to have children that isn't yet happening. Be encouraged with that story. Be encouraged with the word of God, which will cut through your circumstances and not just bless you, but bring fruit into the family nice. in the form of children. Nice. Thank you. Um, when I was asking God what he wanted to say to us, um, I felt like him say to me, the hungry always get fed. And um, I almost felt like he just wanted to ask us women this morning, are we hungry? Um, and if we're hungry, the best place we can be is sitting at Jesus' feet. And it's the, that place where we receive all that we are from him and all that we need from him. Um, there's a story in the Bible, I'm sure you know very well, feeding the 5,000 and um, Jesus feeds all of the people that are there. They all get fed and they're all fully satisfied. And then the disciples, they go around afterwards and they pick up all of the extras, um, like almost like the leftovers, the overflow of God's goodness to the people. And I feel like um, God just wants to say to us this morning that if we come to him hungry, we will get fed because he always feeds the hungry, but that there will be leftovers, there will be extras, there'll be overflow of what he's given us that we will then be able to take to our workplaces, um, that people who are in our lives will gather around us and they will end up picking up the overflow of God's goodness in our lives and they too will get to meet Jesus. Um, I feel also like he just wants to remind us um, from that story that there is more than enough for everyone, that we should be women who encourage each other to be hungry, that we say to each other, are you hungry? Come get with Jesus, that we, we encourage each other to be hungry and we bring each other to the feet of Jesus. Um, I just felt a little bit like I wanted to ask... Um, if you've had a baby in the last two years, would you just mind standing up? I know, like, I'd hate to be asked that, but would you mind? <laughs> if you've had a baby in the last two years... Okay, um, I, like I just, um, I just felt like God wanted to say to you this morning that he knows that life looks a little bit different and that he knows that you're hungry. Um, and I feel like he um, just wanted to say to you that um, because you're hungry, you will get fed. And even though it looks a little bit different for you at the moment, God doesn't look any different. And he still wants to feed you and make sure that you have got an overflow of all that he has for you. Um, and he will find ways to, to do that for you. I almost just heard like heaven applauding you guys. And I just wondered if we could applaud the women that are standing. <laughs> You can sit. Um, the other thing I just felt is that there might be some women here and you, um, you really want to be fed, you really want more of Jesus, but right now you actually just don't really feel hungry and like you're listening and thinking that that's really great, but I don't feel that hungry, so will I get fed? And I feel like Jesus just wants to say to you, come to him, come sit at his feet, get into your word and you will get hungry. Um, and yeah. Um, so every person who came um, and wanted to be with Jesus left feeling fully satisfied. So whenever we spend time with Jesus, we'll leave that time with him fully satisfied with leftovers for those who are in our lives. Um, so are you hungry? Because the hungry always get fed. Thank you.
Thank you. The prophetic gift is amazing. It can speak personally to us. It can speak into our circumstances. So you can have a word like that 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 covers over a whole group of people, but actually God speaks to you personally. So you might be sitting there hungry. You might be sitting there childless. You might be sitting there needing to know this morning about your identity and being a princess. You might have needed that applause. It might have been the hardest week. You You might be thinking, oh man, it's just such a battle. Or you might have just needed to hear that. The prophetic is an incredible gift. I want to encourage you, if you prophesy, use some of your 7,000 words to do that. If you don't prophesy, the Bible's clear, eagerly desire that gift. Go after it. Say to God, give me it. Read your Bibles. Pray and say to God, I want to hear you and I want to hear you for the benefit of others. The next bit in the story I want to pull out is Barak. So he was called by name. Deborah names him. She says, Barak. And she calls him out and into the purposes of God. Your name is about the sweetest thing you'd ever hear. If someone remembers your name, that just feels so special. I want to say a very practical thing. Try and remember people's names. Try and use their name over and over again when you first meet them. Apparently, if you use someone's name three times in the first three minutes of meeting them, it will be so ingrained or locked in your head that you will never forget it. It's something that I have used as, as just a little technique. I know all the names of our kids out in kids' work. I know them all by name. I want to make sure that even when we're 500, I know them all by name. I know little bits and pieces about them, but I know them all by name. I know them well enough to use their names and say, oh, morning, Caleb, how are you doing? I know, them, I know their names, and, and a person's name is so powerful. A person's name said by someone who's remembered it. So our boys have started football training. Their second week, the coach comes out. He says, Levi and Asher, I see their little faces just light up because he's remembered them. It's it's loads of kids, and he's remembered their names. Your name is about the sweetest thing you can do. But she called Barak out. She said, Barak, come on. And she called him into the purposes of God. So we don't need to just learn each other's names. We need to call people out into the purposes of God. We need to say, I see you, I know your name, and God's got this for you. And it is a powerful thing to have someone look at you and go, you should be doing this. Sometimes we know it in our guts. We just look at people and think, I know in my gut you should be with me on my team. You should be doing this in your workplace. You should. And I think sometimes we hang back on saying things that we should say. Or we say it to someone else, which is not powerful at all. Because someone else agrees with you and goes, oh yeah, yeah. But it means nothing to their life. We need to get in the habit of calling people by name and calling them out. We need to say the things that we see in people. And I know it's not culturally very British. It's much more British to downplay things, add a little bit of sarcasm, tear a person down. It's much more in keeping with what it's like to be British. I don't like it. I I say, I'd quite like to be American, I would, because I love all the kind of like, hello, how you doing? I I just, I love all of that stuff. I love that there's a freedom in some cultures to just say, you look great. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I love that. 
And, and I think there's something in a kingdom culture that needs to break through. We almost need to be a part of our culture, but not soaked up so much so that we don't look any different. And I think a kingdom culture calls stuff out. So I'm going to show you what it looks like. I am sorry for this. Christy, will you stand up for me? So I'm going to show you what this looks like so that we understand. Christy, so this, I wouldn't say this is prophetic. I would say I observe this about Christy. So what I observe about you, Christy, is I feel like there's a lion inside of you. I feel like there's a lion who's just pacing around desperate to break out. And I feel like the last few years to you have felt more akin to a mouse They've felt more akin to a squeak coming out when actually you know there's a roar in your heart. You know that deep down in your being, there's something that is almost a little wild about you that has a volume to it that, that needs to be heard, that has a fierceness to it, that, that wants to just bring people into the purposes of God and just wants to roam around, just gathering people up but you felt like a mouse. And I felt like God said to me this morning, will you wake the lion up? Will you give her a shake and say, no more squeaking, it's time to roar? And I felt like God said, this place for you will not be like a cage. It will not be something that has limits that you can only just get up to the edge on. It will be more like safari. It will be more like wide open spaces. And you've been yearning for that. You've been saying to God, when are my spaces coming? And God says, now. Now I'm opening up the doors. Now I'm calling you out. And the planes and, and the fields are just there waiting for you. So I observe those things about Christy. I observe when I talk to her, when I spend time with her, I think there's something in her. I observe them partly because I feel this little kind of kindred spirit thing where I think, I know a lion lives in me. And so I feel that when I'm with her. I just feel this kind of awe. And I want to call it out. I don't want to see Christy as a threat to me or in any way, if I say something lovely about her, in any way that makes me feel inferior. What I want to do is call out woman to woman and say, I see you. I know, I know that feeling. I, I feel it. And I want to say, come on, there's big spaces here. You can sit down now. We need to get comfortable as people doing that for one another calling it out, saying, I see you, I know you. I know there's more in you. I know that you live with more in you. I know that God's got more for you. And we need to be not afraid, not insecure about how that affects us. And whether if I say to you, you are amazing and you rise up, whether somehow I get smaller. Because I don't get smaller when the people around me get bigger. I get bigger too. We create an environment where people are just stepping into the things they're good at. We need to get better at this. We need to get better at saying, you look good in that. I like it when you do that. Not thinking it and going away, saying it. And saying it as quickly as we can so that we can call people into the things that God has got for them. The next word I want to look at is but or no. And this is a word that Barak says. Barak looks at the situation and goes, Wah! basically he says, Deborah, will you come with me? And we could look at that and think, oh, Barak, 
and forget that he was in a place where they'd been so downtrodden, where they'd been abused, where they'd been beaten, where they'd lost every battle over and over again. You're looking at a man who had lost warriors all around him, friends, family. He was beaten. He was down. The whole Israelite community were on their faces saying to God, will you break in? They've been doing it their own way and God had allowed a king to just overthrow them and rule them. And Sisera was particularly mean. So he was downtrodden and abused. He was at his lowest. So we could look at Barak and think, oh man, man up. Or we could look at his circumstances and think, I totally understand why you came back with a no or a but. And I want to encourage us to listen out for people's no's and their buts. If my boys were in the room, they'd be cracking up now that I said the word but. Yeah, Phil is, yeah. We've got to be listening out for people's buts. I don't know why I keep saying that, but we've got to be listening out for the no's and the buts. All the youth have suddenly pricked up and gone, now she's talking. We've got to be listening out for the no's and the buts because those no's and those buts have a story behind them. And we've got to be listening out for that. We've got to be listening out and going, why has that person said no? Why have they said but? Generally speaking, people say no or but because something has gone on previously that has hurt them or has made them feel afraid or has made them feel downtrodden. And we've got to be listening out for those. Because sometimes people say no to God, or but to God, not because they don't want to, but because the last time they said yes, it all went wrong. The last time they said yes, they got beaten up. The last time they stepped out, it failed. And what we need to do in those circumstances is stand next to that person like Deborah did and say, fine, I'll come with you. Fine, I'll stand next to you. Fine, I'll hold your hand. And we've had loads of that going on in this church where people have come to us and they've maybe been damaged from other churches they've been a part of. They've maybe had upbringings where they felt downtrodden and they felt like someone repeatedly has said to them, you rubbish, you're no good. Sometimes with our words, we need to stand next to people and say, you can and I'll do it with you. And I'll stand with you and I'll go with you and I'll give strength to you. Need to be listening out for the no's. And working out why, asking God, saying, reveal it to me, help me. Help me help this person walk into the plans and purposes you've got for them. The next word I want to look at is yes. Deborah said yes. Barak said, I won't go unless you go. So he showed, actually, I'm so beaten up. I'm so tired. This is so hard. But if you're the woman saying God's with us, you have to come. You have to come with me. Deborah then says yes. Some of the smallest words that we give away have the most impact. Sometimes we think a great big long speech is the thing that'll work. Sometimes a simple yes or a simple no are the things that have the most impact. Deborah said yes. See, she had nothing to fear, Deborah, because she'd heard God. She knew what God was saying. Barak hadn't. Deborah had. She knew what God was saying. She knew what he had asked of her. So the yes for her was easy. The yes for her was simple, because God has said, I will give you victory. So where else would she go? If God promises you victory, if God promises you success, where else would you go? 
Where else would you be apart from in his purposes and in his plans? She was zealous to do what the Lord had commanded her. So a yes was a complete no-brainer. I want to say to you, women, sometimes we don't chuck ourselves in and say yes. Because in our heads we're going, will people think that I'm pushing in? Will people think that I'm over top? Will people think that I'm taking over? Will people think that I'm bossy? Will people think that I'm domineering? Will people judge me and think that I'm too eager? If you think God has spoken, for goodness sake, speak up. Say yes and jump in with both feet. You have nothing to fear if God has spoken. You have nothing to be afraid of if he's prompted you, if he's called your name. You have nothing to fear. Fear of man should not exist here. We want to be stomping that out. And the way we stomp that out is we fear only God. We decide that his opinion matters. And if he has spoken, I will say yes and I will go. But there's also times when we need to say no. It's a very simple word, but it can bring about the purposes of God. And some of you sitting there will know there's times when I need to say no to this because it is getting in the way of me going for the yes in God. So I might say no to this activity over here or no to this situation or circumstance or no because actually I want to say yes to God. So these small words are powerful. And women, I, I want to unlock them in you today. I want you to feel freedom to say yes and to say no. There are very, sometimes very good things in our life that are not actually part of the purposes of God for us. And we need to say no. And we need to say them loudly and we need to say them clearly. So they're all good and they're all fine, but they are not what God has got for us. So it's the yes and the no in God. The next thing Deborah says is get ready. And she says, get ready to barrack. She says, gather up your warriors, get ready, we're going. And this is another, I just think it's a great word that we can start using to the people around us. Get ready, we're going now. We're doing something, we're attempting something, get ready. And some women will be getting people ready all the time, training, encouraging, equipping, and just getting people ready so that they can step into the purposes of God. Some of you will teach our kids, our youth. Some of you will lead life groups. Some of you will function on Sunday mornings just getting people ready so that when you say now, or when God says now, people are equipped, people are ready to go. I want to encourage you to be women who say, get ready, get ready. I want to encourage you to be those who do the work behind the scenes, getting people ready getting people trained, getting people equipped. I want to encourage you, if you are a woman, getting yourself ready, keep going. Keep getting ready. If you're a man sitting out there and you're thinking, well, I'm getting ready too, good. Get ready, get trained, get equipped, get ready for the things that God has got for you. If he said that one day you will plant a church, get ready now. Start reading up, start practicing, lead a life group, lead a kids group, lead something so that in the small you can get ready for the big. If he said you're going to the nations, get ready. Get ready now. Do it here in Sutton Coalfield, but get ready for India, Africa, wherever it is you're going. Get ready. Get ready now. And these are powerful words. We can say it to the people around us. Young men and women, get ready. Learn all you can at school. Learn all you can out of the people around you. Drain them dry of all of their resources, everything they've got. Your 
youth workers, your friends, your whatever, drain them dry, get everything you can and get ready for your future. Get ready for the things that God has got for you. Get ready for traveling, get ready for work, get ready to have a family, get ready to be married. Just get ready, get training. These are great things that we can say to one another. Are you getting ready? What are you getting ready for? Let me help you, let me be a part of that. These are brilliant ways that we can use our words. I'm gonna finish up because I've overrun. <laughs> Which is no real shocker, is it? But um, I have overrun. The last thing I wanna say is Deborah sang a song with Barak in the last chapter. So in chapter five, she sang a song with Barak. And you might be sitting there thinking, I'm not a songwriter. All of you are writers. All of you sing songs. You basically just decide what kind of songs you sing. So we all sing songs everywhere. If you post on Facebook, you write something, you sing a song. If you post anything on Instagram, Twitter, if you post anything out on social media, if you write something down and get it out there, you are a songwriter. And you get to decide what kind of songs you sing. I, quite frankly, am tired of reading loud, angry Christian songs on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I just feel bored of it. I think, where is the worship? Where's the praise? Where's the adoration? Where is the songs that the people of God sing to say, this is my God. This is how mighty he is in my life. This is what he's done. This is what he's like. This is who I am because of it. And we all get chances to write and sing songs. We get chances to sing over hundreds of people every day on social media. We get chances to speak over hundreds of people every day. What will your songs be? Loud, angry, aggressive, shouting at the world, or will they be worship? Will they be encouraging what you see, speaking life into what you see? I am looking forward to the day where a revival hits social media. And instead of it being this negative cesspool, it will become this voice that loudly goes out and proclaims how beautiful our God is and how amazing his story is in my life. To anyone who's hearing, I am so looking forward to that. I might even enjoy going on it then. We get chances to speak all the time. We can prophesy, we can call people by name, we can call them out. We can say no and we can say yes. We can tell people to get ready, we can get ready ourselves and we can sing songs. Can I encourage you of your 7,000 words that you get in a day to make some of them count for the kingdom? To decide in this room that you will speak life and you will cause people to rise up. And just like Deborah, you will see the people around you attempting incredible things for their saviour. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to worship.